you know, take a few days off. And we don't even know how to act. Well, I thought we were supposed to upload this last week. Well, yeah, I know. I think on our Instagram story, you said, let's talk about the elephant in the room. There was no elephant. It's okay. It was a baby elephant. It's, there was no elephant. No. It's fine. I was trying to make you feel better, but okay. You don't have to. It's oh. fine. I don't know what day it is. Right. Anyways. Well, it's July 5th, the day after July 4th. It's very quiet in the studio. Right. Um, I Just... think everybody's nursing their uh, their uh, 4th of July hangover a little bit. That's maybe? true. And today well. they're supposed to start that hydron electron thing in Switzerland and Geneva. What's that? That's where they like rapidly like collide all of these particles and they've been trying to find like other dimensions or something so this could be our last episode wow we are just out here thriving thriving not to get if crazy i realized that i wouldn't have been so obsessive about trying to get our instagram story right today anyways well i'm demi and i'm melissa and this is the beauty beast podcast um so let's jump into it how do you feel about non-competes um, I know you're definitely more passionate and knowledgeable about them. I never signed one. Well, let me rephrase that. The very first salon that I worked at for like three or four months out of like nail school, like that first summer, she yeah. had like a sign non-competes, but it was a really slow salon and I don't think I ever had a returning customer. So when I left there, it was kind of like... Yeah, okay. like what is she gonna? What are you gonna come after? Like I right. had no. There clients. was nothing to pursue. <laughs> right. So um, I never signed one after that. Yeah. Just because I was never presented one, but I don't think I would have signed one. Yeah. What do you feel about? Do you think that there's a place for them in our industry? No. No. Okay. I don't like just because, like. In the past, you went to a salon because it was that salon. Right. Like right. I remember. When I first moved down here from Virginia, uh, my mom was like, oh, I'm going to go to this salon, not to name names or anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, <laughs> I'm just getting ready. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but we went there because it was like a predominant salon. We didn't know right. anywhere. Like we had gotten good recommendations. But now I think with the social media really kind of taking over you don't go to a salon f because it's this salon you go anymore. for your stylist you go for that stylist yeah you vet your stylist or your nail artist right. and you seek out who you want to exactly. get services done by so who's to say is that now the salon's client or is that that stylist or artist right. client like there's i i think that there's just so much gray area now that mm -hmm. really it's kind of stupid yeah. in our industry. I mean, I shouldn't say stupid. That sounded really mean, but I don't think that they have a place. Yeah, I think it's an archaic thing. Like, yeah. I think that it's um, something that existed before when, like, we didn't have the connection that we have today. I understand, like, non-competes in, like, the corporate world when oh, absolutely. you're working for a company, you have access to probably sensitive information right yep. that if you were to go work for somebody else and take that information with them right it's proprietary it's, right there would be an overlapping um i think anything that's customer service based and i think anything that has to do with a clientele it's very difficult to label that and you said it perfectly especially in the world of social media today i just don't think it exists i think that we still see the spillover from the old school version of what our industry was. Yes. Um, and I think that if you're a newer salon that's opening and you're trying to take on the non-compete um, route, that you have not done your research about what this industry exists. And that's probably sounds so brutal, but I'm going to say it exactly like that. I almost give a little allowance for ignorance to the people who have been in our industry for so long, and that was the old practices. Right. Um, and that's not excuse. I just allow the ignorance. Right. Or, like, not necessarily ignorance, but, like, that maybe, like, the, the understanding of that the, the practices, right, right. The, were like that before. Involving. But then I don't know. Do we even allow that? Like, at this point, you have access to educating yourself on growing your 
your but, I mean, business. I guess just for argument's sake, I'm, right. I'm going to play my husband who always plays right. devil's advocate. Yes, we should front end it as our <laughs> guest oh today. <laughs> so, I mean, let's say that you're running, like, I mean, let's just call it an old school salon for, right. you know, just for ease of conversation. Maybe you're like that owner is not social media savvy. Maybe those stylists who are have built a reputation mm-hmm. in their community aren't necessarily social media savvy per se. Maybe you don't understand like that evolution. But here's the thing. Are you looking to add younger people to your business? So that's where I think you don't have excuse. If you're willing to ride off into the sunset with people who are maybe from a previous style of the industry, meaning that doesn't mean that they haven't evolved. But what I mean is they've been established, like you've said. You're not looking to add anybody who's maybe fresher out of hair school or younger, and you're looking to just move with your business model and then, I don't know, whatever decision you all retire at together, whatever it may be. And that's not me dogging somebody that's been in the industry for a while. I want to make that clear. Um, I think I have more of a problem with it If you are looking to add younger individuals into your salon, I think you have that duty to evolve. And if you don't evolve, um, you know, I I just think you don't get a a free pass. No, that's my only thing. I completely agree. But I guess what I'm kind of picturing is maybe like you have that older, not older per se, but like maybe the stylist who, like, I remember my nanny used to Mm -hmm. go every week to get her right. hair set you know yeah. like that's maybe that's what I'm picturing and maybe right. that's like my fault well and like, you were very dependent like right. in, in a previous time like we didn't have like you said like the access to communicate with our clients directly I mean even when we first started in the salon industry ourselves it wasn't like the common thing to hand out your number like right it, it was just starting to become a thing that right. you could give your clients your number and it was kind of like a touch and go thing. Some people wanted clients to have their personal number to reach out to. Some people didn't. And then you saw the involvement of Instagram, which I think Instagram even more than Facebook, but Facebook was definitely a tool too. Yeah. Um, And then it was like, of course you had access to your stylist right there. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I like, I'm not trying to let me set the record straight. I am not in favor of a non-compete. I yeah, was just, no, like, you're just totally... playing devil's advocate. Right. Which so... is totally fair because we have to talk about it because they still exist. I mean, yeah, they do still salons exist. still try to give them to people. Um, but then I wonder, like, those younger stylists, do they, like, if they find themselves in that situation, you know, do they just, like, not sign it or do they I think there's a lot more knowledge out there for sure Um, sure I would hope that schools talk to them about it but I think we touched on that in our school episode that I don't really think non-competes and contracts contracts excuse me um (laughs) are right I don't know if I was trying to like go like the really smart route and say contractual agreements but then I was like no anyway um (laughs) so I think that, you know, if it's not a conversation, and I am super passionate about this topic, um, I'm just trying to ease into it, like, no, just go a little full, bit. Just go full throttle. Um, I think that it is definitely something that needs to be talked about in schools. Um, as I, I've been open in previous episodes, too, I, I signed a non-compete. Um, there's certain things I can talk about, and there's certain things I can't, because I did end up in a lawsuit um, when I decided to go independent. And I had a few different routes that I could have taken with it. Um, and I made the decision to, well, I guess essentially, I don't want to say breach my contract, because I would never take ownership of <laughs> breaching my contract. But I guess... I was within the radius. Um, I don't want to say I wouldn't take ownership either. That maybe didn't come out right. But I think there was a lot of, as you said, gray area. Well, why don't we rewind just a little bit? Right. For those who maybe aren't aware of what a non-compete is. is. So what is a non-compete? A non-compete is (laughs) a contract that is presented. And um, what it does is it knocks you out of competitive businesses, essentially, like to move over to work for them. So when you receive a contract, um, 
that's labeled a non-compete, you're going to have a radius. So a radius could be five miles. It could be 10 miles. It could be 30 miles. Um, and that means 30 miles or five miles or 10 miles from the business that you're signing that non-compete with, you cannot work at any of those businesses within that radius. Um, now, a lot of people might be like, okay, five miles, not a big deal. 10 miles, not a big deal. Um, to put it into perspective for you, uh, when you sit down and you have a non-compete and it's a five mile radius, it's not five mile roadway. It's five miles. If I sit down, I point out the location on a map and then I draw a circle that represents a five mile radius around it. And when you do sit down and you draw it that way, you will realize that five miles radius and five miles roadway are two vastly different things. Um, <laughs> with my contract, like I said, there's there's some things I can't touch on, but with my contract, um, to give you just a little perspective, I would have had to be two miles into the ocean in order to do hair. So I would have been on a cruise ship um, if I just headed straight out east. And if I headed out west, I probably would have been in the Everglades. Not probably, would have been. Yes. So um, I would have been, you know, hanging with some alligators. And, and the uh, humidity out there yeah. is rough. I'd be doing a lot of keratins <laughs> on who I don't know, but <laughs> we'll see who we find. <laughs> but that is is a perfect way to describe it. Um, normally, there is a time frame, meaning upon when you leave. Now, some could be recurring, meaning you don't resign yearly. It means that it just renews every year um, without needing your signature or anything like that. Um, with it being recurring, that means, again, you, right. That's you don't it. Have it just to exists. It every year. Um, but when you leave, let's say there's usually like a month, uh, like a few months terms. Right. So once you leave working at whatever business you're contracted at um, is when your non-compete activates. So let's say it's a 12 month non-compete. That means for 12 months after you leave that place of business where you've signed that, you cannot work, let's come up with a fake you right. know, one, um, you cannot work within a five mile radius. So for a year's time, you can't work within that boundary line. Right. Um, and then I think a year, I mean, after a year, you'd be able to do pretty, no, you can um, work right. after that. Some are labeled even more severely where it's like a, a lifetime. Um, I don't think there's a lot of validity in anything too intense. So I don't even know if that would stand up. Um, but yeah, that would be what a non-compete is. Okay. So um, there's also a lot of verbiage usually in non-competes, especially when it comes to, I mean, I can't speak for all industries, but from my experience with salon, it'll touch on multiple things that are, you're held to an expectation of and things like that. Um, upon leaving, you're not allowed to reach out to your clients, just things right. like that. That's your normal standard non-compete, especially in our industry. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. So I signed one. Let's just get that elephant out of the room. <laughs> um, so I was extremely naive. I was 21 and I was hungry to get on the floor. And none of these things that I'm saying are not taking ownership of signing it. And I want that to be super clear because I think that needs to be understood. At the end of the day, I signed that contract. Well, and... Like we've said before, you were 21. Right. You were hungry to start. Right. You spent all this money on yeah. to go to school and do, and you're excited, and that's the one thing standing in mm -hmm. your way. And I think at that age, like, no one, especially in our industry, I shouldn't say no one, because maybe if you're, you went to school for business or, you know, that's more yeah. in line, like, mm -hmm. maybe that, I I would think is more in your head, but when you go to beauty school, it's like non, like you're not. Yeah, taught it's anything. not something that's like kind of in your wheelhouse of what to expect. Right, so you're a little bit more naive to that. Not saying you specifically, but just in general, when you don't know anything about right. it, you're more naive right. to it um, or ignorance. Yeah, it, I mean, I signed my contract and I went out for drinks that night with my friends, like right. to celebrate, thinking like this was the start of my career, like little 
little did I know what was going to come in a few well, years. Well, and you probably weren't even thinking about being independent at that time or no. how it and would I, impact you. Right. And I think that when you're talking about being so young, coming out of school, um, you're just thinking, like you said, in the near future. You're not even thinking farther down the line. You're like reckless and you're like, oh, like whatever, we'll figure it out. Honestly, I didn't understand the weight of the contract I signed. Right. And the worst part was, was like, I was going to send it to my stepdad to read over. And um, I think I've touched on this before, but I moved out like a month after my high school graduation, rented a room for my stepsister and then moved like fully out on my own. So I moved Mm -hmm. from Connecticut to Florida and then four months after renting a room from her in Florida, I got my first apartment. So I was pretty young out on my own. Right. And I just very quickly became extremely independent, like so determined to do everything I could for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this was kind of another chapter of like stupid lesson, like did it and then had to undo it because to me, it was more of a celebration for me to say I signed a contract. I didn't need anybody to walk me through it. Right. I'm building my career. I didn't have to send it to, you know, somebody to read over. Of course, looking back, had I done that, I think we could have avoided a lot of things. <laughs> um, but again, you don't know. And then, I mean, for me, it was pretty much told to me at that time Um this is just what you have to sign to get onto the floor. Like it just protects me and, you know, like the business and you have to understand you're building from nothing and da 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 da. Um, I think that those statements had more validity before the boom of social media Um, Mm -hmm. because I was a prime example of what putting effort into social media could have provided. And I think I've talked about this before, but I went pretty quickly to a top seller within a few years time. Um, And a lot of it had to do with social media because I was actively posting and people were starting to call in and ask for me specifically because of seeing pictures and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, of course, as you get busier, you start to sit and say, "Okay, but like, is this going to be it? Like what what else is there going to? be like if if I'm a commission stylist and I'm not dogging commission stylist like am I gonna go maybe into the education route which I did explore for a minute um like what am I gonna do because for me at least in my personality I, I wasn't comfortable with that being it right um and so I think definitely by 25 I was really sitting there saying like okay, I, I, I need my next step. Um, and that's when I started to read my contract. So upon reading my contract and fully understanding, I would say around 24, actually, not 25, because I left when I was 25. Um, I, like, wanted to cry, like, when I read it. I wanted to literally go three years back and, like, punch myself in the face. Um, <laughs> now, because I know you can't talk about certain things. Like, right. Can you give a gist of what you yeah, said? So, I mean, what exactly I covered with with discussing um, mm-hmm. there was a, a radius. Um, there was a month, a, a good amount of time um, with me needing to leave the area area um it would have put me into palm beach or very very south fort lauderdale um i would have had to either go north or south uh because as i said ocean and the everglades were just not going to provide some clientele (laughs) um and i it was going to be a long enough term after it started. So meaning once I left, you know, that th- those months terms, right. it was going to be a long enough time for me to, I mean, my clients weren't going to be able to wait. Let's put it that way. Right. Um, and it was hard for me to digest because I sat there and I did it to myself first off. Um, Cause at the end of the day I did like I, I was young and I, and I, I was a little duped in that sense, right, signing it. But you're like, oh, my God, like, that's your signature, you dumb bitch. Like, <laughs> and I had known what I put in. Like, it wasn't like I was just walking in at 10 o'clock every morning and, you know, the front desk was just filling my book and funneling me clients nonstop. Um Of course, they were recommending me because clients were leaving happy, but it was also a lot of hard work. Like, I was working 12-hour days 
four days a week, you know? Um, I was willing to come in early. I was willing to stay till close. Like, I was fully committed to building my book. Um, So I guess, like, to fast forward to what this contract signed me up for. Um, You know, when I had decided that I was going to leave, I did seek out some advice um, from just, like, a family friend. And he pretty much told me, don't even try it. Pack up and go. And oh I my God. just <laughs> You're like, uh... couldn't accept that. Um, I was like, something kept telling me like I needed to explore my other options. So um, then fast forward, I signed my my suite. Uh, I signed my yep. lease for my suite. That was in within my radius. Um, it was not in the same city, but it was within my radius. Um, it was a calculated risk. My husband and I talked about it. It was super stressful. I don't even think we were married yet. We were like just about to get married at the same time that I decided to breach this contract and jump ship. Um, so all or nothing, baby. Julian was in it with me, um, and we knew like, and I had heard not from this specific salon where I worked, but so many people in the industry were like, don't even worry. Like, they just give those two to scare you. They'll never come after you. They'll never come after you. I cannot tell you how many people were like, you have nothing to worry about. It's just an old school technique. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, And so I sometimes would not worry about it. And sometimes I had nervous shits for four days. And uh, <laughs> so I, I think I've alluded to this before, but when I did leave the cat got out of the bag and Mm -hmm. um somehow somebody got a a hold of that information and I said I need to get you know to my boss before anybody else does um we had that conversation um he acknowledged that he knew that I you know in turn would have Mm -hmm. breached my contract um and I of course had to acknowledge at that point like yeah, I mean, I would hope that, like, you see that I'm going far enough away that, like, you would – and I'm not going to a competing salon. Like, I'm right. literally just moving on for myself. Um, that, you know, I'm not trying to uh, – and then ensued probably, and I've said this before, one of the most stressful weeks of my life. Right. Um, you know, I was pretty much sat down and walked through – how I was going to get sued, potentially, <laughs> um, you know, and when you're 25 and you have established something for yourself and, you know, I now had taken on um, a stepdaughter. So we had a family unit. We had bought a house and I'm sitting there thinking, is this jump worth it to like literally risk everything everything that we've created to be comfortable? Because it doesn't just affect me like right. it affects everybody in our house. Um, and I, even with having a lease signed, once I kind of understood that there was the chance that we were going to face, um, a lawsuit thought about maybe I just say fuck it and I leave. Um, and through that week of different tactics being taken, some days it was intimidation and then other days it was, you know, acting like, um, trying to work through it together type of thing (laughs) I think I just woke up and I was like this is the most toxic situation um and that's not a personal attack on anybody it's just if it's a toxic situation and you know that like I was the the morning I woke up and said "I, I don't care like I'm gonna if if I have to fight this I have to fight it um that night I was like in the fetal position, like hyperventilating, like in Julian's <laughs> arms, thinking like, oh my fucking God. And it was like three in the morning. Like, what did I do? And then I woke up that next morning and I was like, okay, if I get sued, I get sued. But like, this is not healthy. Like yeah. this, I, and I'm the type, like I can't go back. Cause like, I wish I didn't hold grudges, but I, I don't want to say hold grudges. I just forgive and move on. And sometimes forgiveness and move on means like really move on. Like, I like to just disappear. Right. Like, like <laughs> yeah. erase that. Right. Erase that thing or that person uh, from life completely. I, right. That is a true Sagittarius. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, bitch, it can't stay. <laughs> like, <laughs> so we packed and we left and we set up at um, 
my new studio within the radius and um Social media was a great tool in that sense because guess what? I couldn't reach out to clients, but what I could do is I could post where I was. Yep. And so I had the ability to post where I moved um, after like the first few days of just trying to like get my life together because literally the next day I had taken clients and all that stuff. Um, And yeah, then ensued... I, I have to be careful with what I say at this part, but usually like when you're heading towards a lawsuit, um, you'll receive like a threat of a lawsuit first, like uh, usually like a letter like stop, don't do that. And right. then after the stop, don't do that letter, um, then you move forward to get the next thing. Like, Which you is... know, those guy with the little badge knocks on the door. Never want to see one of those again. Um <laughs> But yeah, so that's exactly what happened with me. Um, when I got that first letter, I, my husband and I hit the ground running and trying to find an attorney. Um, finding an attorney was probably one of the most difficult parts because most people, when you've signed a contract and you've done anything in a version of breach it, uh, a lot of lawyers don't want to take you on because... That's it. You sign something. You didn't follow through with your part of the agreement. So some of them don't even want to sit down and talk about any gray area with like what we're saying. Right. Um, So it took us a very long time. Well, I don't want to say a very long time, but a lot of phone calls because we had to find somebody in like two days time. (laughs) But it was a lot of no's. And then um, one lawyer said yes. And we went like on a Friday night at like seven o'clock at night to meet him. And he was like, listen, I would have been the one to write this contract, so I can't get you out of this contract. Like, but I know somebody who can. Oh, that's good. And so we moved forward with somebody who was experienced with both litigation and um, employment law. And so when I went in there, I was like... Like thinking like, let me just, and pretty much everything I thought that maybe could have been my versions of something that would have been leveraged to fight weren't. Um, It was his set of eyes with his expertise and his understanding the difference between a true um, independent contractor and a true employee. And Mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with like my case. That just has to do with in general. I know we touch on it a lot. Like, talking about it's coming the difference between the two of the 1099 and yep. the employee it's um, coming. so somebody who specializes in that type of law has a set of eyes that are different um this is kind of the point where i can't talk about too much more right, of course um but you know i will say that when you sign a contract both people agree to certain things in that contract. So a binding contract is binding when you sign it for you, but it also means that there's promises kept in that contract on both sides. Um, And that's all I can really say about that. I will say it is terrifying to get sued for your first time. Um, (laughs) It is terrifying to get sued, especially when you are... I guess, the weaker of the two links, it feels like, you know. Um, Well, going from having zero knowledge to getting all of the knowledge pushed at you at once. It's not that you're the weaker link. It's just, it's overwhelming. Yes, it's sensory overload. Yeah. And you're starting a new business Mm -hmm. and you're doing this. And you were trying to get married. Like, yeah. it was just like, ah, yeah, right, yeah. it's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, you know, like, the the day that I got served, I could get, like, a little choked up thinking about this, but I am getting choked up. You are. <laughs> the, the day that I got served, like, I remember when I called my husband and I was like, I have to go home. Like, I have to go home from work. Like, I am going to fall apart. Because this was, like, my biggest fear coming true. And he was like, you're not going home. Like, I'm coming to you. We're going to figure it out. But the last thing you're going to do is you're going to stop working. Right. Because 
that's, that's what they want. they want. So we're going to fight this. We're ready. Like, we can do it. Like, this is the reason we <laughs> have this person on a retainer. And we did. And we fought. Um, and we did what we needed to do. And, you know, I look back and I don't regret it because it taught me so much about business for myself. And it's a big reason that we have the business model we have now for the salon because I know that I cannot, I never want somebody to feel that fear to make the next step in their business. Right. Um, I hate that our industry exists in a place that we can't have a cake for you when you're ready to move on, that there's no cake in the break room or there's no congratulations. And we keep, you know what I'm saying? Right. It, it's that it's excitement. just right. And I think that having a contract or anything like that adds another layer of that division. You feel like you have to run and you have to go and that's all you can do. And and that's what I hate about the contracts the most. Um, I think they're built so much around fear. And I think, and I've said it before in other episodes, I think that if you've built your business around fear, I mean, I know we, you know, I know that all these salon owners are listening to us out there. We are in touch with everybody. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think we have 13 uh, reviews. That's right. Yeah. Um, but I really do think that, like, if there is anybody who is still using the fear tactic of contracts and making people feel like they can't move on um, as leverage in your business, then you have to have a point of self-reflection and you have to decide that it's time to evolve. Well, and I think that if someone is doing that, don't Red think, flag. Well, and don't <laughs> think that people aren't talking about it too. Like right. your stylist or people that have worked for you or something like that. They're talking about it and they're telling other people you right. might want to think twice mm -hmm. before you go there right. to work. Yeah. Like because so many people in our industry now see that as a red flag yeah. because it is. Mm -hmm. And word gets around. Right. And like so many people thought for me like it it wasn't going to happen. Like, "Oh, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it." Um, I became the example because there were a few people that left before and after me. Right. Um, but I think especially with me being younger, um, especially with me being busier, and it was kind of in that window of time that like suites were looked at with such fear mm -hmm. by salon owners because we were in that transition of figuring out what independent meant. And I think a lot of salon over owners, it infuriated them. Instead of understanding, like, there's balance to both. I mean, we just had that episode of right. talking about there's not one that's better than the other. No. But I think, like, I was in that perfect storm of a time that, like, it was, like, the division of, like, when you did go independent, like, most salons were like, you bitch. Like, right. because it was just scary to think that there's this new version of competition that didn't exist before but and that's like that old school mindset there will yeah. always be salons because if you are an independent artist it's harder to get in right like I have pretty much you know very little to zero flexibility in my schedule right but a nail salon with other artists has maybe five six seven ten artists there that it's like, oh, well, you can't get in with this one. We have this person available, you know? Right. So that's more attractive to some people, you know, who need. No, yeah, and I don't think, like, the salon business model is right. ever going to die. I think that, no. like, I mean, okay, so when I made the leap, it was, I, I was 25. So what, four, oh, five years ago, because I'll be 30 this year. Oh. <laughs> um, but I think, like, it was probably in that, like, year to two-year time where the suites were, like, really booming. Exactly. Um, and so I think it was just looked at as such a scary thing. And I think five right. years later, a lot of the salons that were panicked about it realized, like, they have nothing to be panicked about. Yeah. Because there's going to be people that – it's it's a constant flow, right? Of like, course. look at us. We came back and wanted a salon – vibe we we are independent so we applied certain things from the suites to what we do now but um the salon setting is still something a lot of people like yeah. so it didn't change our industry for the worse it changed it for the better right, where there's exactly. that variety like 
There's some clients that don't want to go to a suite. There's some clients that don't want don't to go to, to a salon. Yeah. Like, so you're just offering options. Exactly. Um, neither is intimidating. Right. And so I, I think like anything that I'd pull from my experience is like, you know, I, I never want to be like the person to say like stay and fight because financially that's not something that you could always do. Right. Um, I weighed my options when I made the decision to stay. I was going to take a far larger financial hit to go, and I I personally felt that it wasn't right. Um, and again, that doesn't mean I didn't sign my non-compete. So I understand both. Like I, I, I'm a business owner myself too, so I understand that was a big hit to take, and I understand where you get ferociously protective of your business when you feel um, – kind of the foundations getting shaken a little bit. I don't want to, I'm not like the foundation of that person's business. That's not what I'm saying. But if you get like. Well, a top person leaving. Right. Being like a higher selling stylist, that's a big hit to take. And I'm totally a willing participant in understanding those things. But I also think that as a, a, a boss or an owner of a space or a business, you, when you take on employees or you even, you know, work around other people, you also need to understand where to look at things logically and know sometimes you have to get your anger under control and view things for what they are. And do you just badger somebody into submission or do you realize that if they're not happy in the space that they are in anymore and that space is yours, that it's probably best to wish them the best and let them go than let them stay with that mindset because that mindset is kind of a cancer of its own. If they're not happy there, it's going to spill over to other people. But if you say, I wish you the best, you know, listen, it is what it is or whatever. And that's hard. I get it. I, I just feel like it ends up being more of a revolving door where like that space that just opened in the salon brings in somebody that you know, at that chapter of their life that embraces that environment. And that person who's left doesn't turn out to bash you or to feel any animosity towards you. Right. Um, Which is where I think that contract idea becomes so toxic. It is. And it just creates so much animosity like before there is ever any. Um, I think that it's never going to make somebody stay. Um, they're going to leave if they're not happy and they're going to leave with more anger knowing that that's being held over their head than if they just leave and they move on with their lives because they're ready for their next step. I think anytime fear is involved and we've seen so many businesses, not just in our industry, Mm -hmm. um, move past that mindset i think you see better work production happier employees or to 99 right whatever version of employee we're talking about or not version of employee if you get what i'm saying i think you just see a happier environment because fear really does not activate any like you get what i'm saying like it doesn't activate anything healthy well and like that anger and that toxicity like this is business it's not personal right like I'm not leaving for personal reasons I want to start a new business and venture. spread it's, my wings right, yeah it's nothing against you it's nothing against right. the salon or who I work with I just need to go and I think that especially in our industry yeah people take things too personal way too personal and I know we're getting ready to like talk about pricing but like when you raise your prices that's a business decision that's not a personal decision yeah it's not like you know, I want to make more money. It right. could be I want to make more money, but we'll get into that. But you're doing what's best for your business. Right. Like, it is a business decision. Mm-hmm. You know, you have cancellation fees because that is a bit what's best for your business. So right. this idea of you leaving is an attack against me personally and having that exit be so toxic, like you were saying. Yeah. Like, the last salon I was at, you know... It was, I didn't sign a non-compete, but it was such a toxic separation. That even that leaving minus a lawsuit is hard. Right. And then the people who left after me, it was like almost like they were like, you go, girl. And it was like, really? Because me leaving was toxic. Like I realized I had to remove myself from that environment because 
I wasn't happy there anymore. And my like extreme unhappiness there was permeating the salon. Right. Like, me making the business decision to leave, it really benefited both of us. Mm -hmm. So why can't you just right? That's see how it as I, that? Exactly. That's exactly how I had felt. And, you know, like when I left and then especially with like being threatened with, with the lawsuit, um, I, I don't want to say like threatened like in the wrong way. I'm not like saying like, oh, my God, I was so scared. But I mean, just like it was used. Like, it was an intimidation tactic. Right. And um you know, there were people that, like, while I was friend friendly with, I had to make the decision to remove off of social media. And, and like, you can't say a lot in those moments because you have to be very quiet, um, especially because, like, in our industry, and I think any industry, uh, like, now, people watch everything. Social media oh, is yeah. um, a, a huge part of our life. Right. And so I had to make the decision to take certain people off my social media and, you know, like I, I would have to be very careful who I talk to. And I really didn't talk to a lot of people. I, I kept my circle very small because you just never knew. Um, and if you ask me today, would I do it again? Yes. One thousand times over, because I look at it like if I had that same money and I bought myself out of my contract, which I don't even know if, like for me, it wasn't an option, but let's just hypothetically speak. Like if a salon saying like, cool, you can buy yourself out for whatever amount of money. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, I, but for me, I, I hired an attorney and there was leverage there. So right. it's also a different situation. It's based off of what your situation is. Right. But I would spend the money on defending my independence and what's right because I know what my situation was over buying myself out of a contract any day of the week. Right. Um, it doesn't mean that it wasn't financially stressful for the time being, of course. I mean, you're opening a new business. Things are changing. Um, it's not anybody's fault, but we got married. And, I mean, it was a very economical wedding, so it's not like that but, rattled us. But, but still. Right. Um, and so with all those things being said, like, yes, like, we didn't know how much it was going to cost when we decided to to sign up to, for this fight. We didn't know how long it was going to go on for. Um, you know, at one point, Julian was like, if I have to do like a second job at night, I'll do a second job at night. I would go back and do it again um, for me personally. Right. Just my experience. And that's also like I, I think if you are in a situation of a non-compete and you're listening and you've signed something my biggest advice is to do your research. So you want to, and you're looking to get out. Let me say that, right? Like, right. So without giving details that you couldn't, like what kind of attorney would they need? Like what research? So you, for like, me, right. More like, so for me, like we kept looking for like contract attorneys in the beginning. Like that's what we thought we needed to seek out and find. Um, so my husband and I were working in like overdrive, trying to get on the phone with contract attorneys and we did. So the original attorney member, I said that we met like at, right. at night, um, was a contract attorney, but in turn, in my situation, because I was looking to fight that contract, um, I needed somebody that specialized in litigation. So that's when I sought out somebody. Well, wait, I didn't seek out. I was recommended to somebody from that contract attorney um, that specialized in that. Um, and, you know, a lot of times if you do seek out one attorney who's willing to sit with you, they will probably know somebody else. Right. Um, and I think the most important thing, too, though, is to really listen to the advice of your attorney. Um, we don't understand things the same way they do, right? There's a reason that they're specialists in their field. Um, there's a reason that the contract to us seems super scary. And they look at the same contract, and it's not that it doesn't seem super scary, but it's another day at work. So they're going to decipher it, and they're going to look through it with a fine-tooth comb. They're going to ask you questions, and that's where you have to weigh out your situation. Not everybody's situation is the same. It's not a one-size-fits-all thing. No, of course not. Um, and I also think, too, that, like, you know, upon my exit and facing that, 
Um, there was like some questions raised about like, if you leave at all, or do you have to worry about a lawsuit type of thing? You know, mm-hmm. just because I think like when when people kind of hear of what's happening, I always say like where we are is like the biggest small town ever. Yep. And our industry's small. So everybody kind of talks and hears about things. Um, so, of course, like I'm not saying everybody knew, but <laughs> it definitely was something that came up. I mean, to the point that like I remember one of my clients came back and she went to like a completely different salon. I never even went like gone into stepped foot into. I knew no stylist there. Um and she got her facial done there. And when she was telling them who she goes to for her hair, they were like, oh, isn't that the girl? Oh, that- my God. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> um, So, you know, I remember, like, there were questions coming along to me after from, like, stylists just wanting to leave that work contracted. Um, and if they had anything to worry about, I think you have to remember if you're not contracted, you owe nobody anything. Um of course, if somebody's provided you with respect, I also say any exit, you should provide that person with respect, even mm-hmm. if they haven't provided you with respect. Um, not respect to the point that you're disrespecting yourself, but to me, feeding into that negative energy and stooping to their level or getting ugly, um, it gives them leverage to... Right think that they're justified in their actions. But besides that, because we don't really care about that person, it just makes you an ugly person. Like the reason you're moving on and the reason you're stepping forward is because that energy doesn't provide you anything anymore. So don't feed into it. Keep moving in the right direction. And my biggest advice is don't sign a contract. It's a red flag. Like if you're newer into this industry and somebody's coming to you and telling you that that's what's needing to be done for you to start with them, to me, that's a red flag. Um, I'm sure maybe people disagree with me in the industry. Um, I'm not going to change my mind. I'm not going to agree with you. Right, and There's you're no... probably not going to change their mind. I would say right. if you're presented with one and considering it, have ha- a lawyer look have over Have a lawyer it. look Absolutely. over it. Absolutely. There's For never sure. a contract in this world that you should sign without having an attorney look over it. Exactly. Um, for instance, for us, ever since our situation and what we went through, um, that same attorney, because he does specialize in, in contract law too, um, is on retainer for us. So that attorney wrote up our leases here to make sure they're fair to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and... We continue to use him for pretty much anything as far as, like, business is concerned. And that's the reason we keep him, you know, on retainer. Um, He really gained our faith with working with him the first time. Um, And I think that's so important. I would never sign a contract in my life ever again without (laughs) having – I mean, even when we had our lease for our business. um, Right. Other than, like, our lease at the – at the whatchamacallit the suites I didn't sign like I I just signed that because it was a a standard lease but when we were signing our business lease for this the salon Mm -hmm. um of course because you're signing something that's like a five-year term or however and you want to add extension whatever it may be there's never a time you shouldn't have an attorney look over something because if it's what I don't know it's all different based off their hourly rate to look over contracts. But that one payment, while they might look it over and say you're fine, there's nothing, it protects you from so much more. Right. Um, or, you know, what if there was a loophole or a gray area? Right. You know, like, they will catch that. Whereas if I had an attorney it, read over my non-compete before I signed it and explained to me exactly what that meant, I would have never signed it. Um Right. Again, that doesn't mean that I'm not taking ownership because I am. That was my job to do, too. Right. But take it from me. It's always something that, you know, if you are thinking about signing something, it should be read over. Well, and um, it's just good life advice, too. Absolutely. But, yes, if you sit down and you ask me my opinion, there's never a time to sign a non-compete. I would never tell any stylist that it's within their best interest to do no. so. Absolutely not. Because I think that's somebody that's trying to lock you into their business model and they're not understanding that you're a human on your own. And you might want to grow. Yeah. 
So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that went better than I thought. Yeah. I thought we were going to get the text reminder to me again. <laughs> no, no. Um, I think, like, you know, if you caught me a few years ago when I was still hot off of it, um, it's almost like you go through different stages with it. Now, if I saw a, what what are they called, a service processor oh, at my yeah. door again, I'm sure my kneecaps would shake all the same way. Um, I don't think there's ever a good time to get served no. a lawsuit. And I'll tell you what, it's definitely not enjoyable in front of your clients. That's awkward. Or when a client gets served on their way to their nail appointment, because that happened to me once. Damn, really? At the suites, oh yes, my God. One of my clients got served with a court thing, or I don't even know, and then had to come in and get her nails done. And I was like, <laughs> oh God, crazy. was she shaking? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because I remember when I signed, when I signed, because I don't think, like, I can't remember if you had to sign, like, because, like I said, you you usually get, like, a letter before you get, like, the full thing that's, right. like, if you continue, you're going to get, you know, the full right. thing. Um, But I think we were just laughing about this the other day. I, this, even the service processor who served me my lawsuit, because I looked like such, you know, of course you're terrified in that moment. Um, He was like, I'm so sorry. Like, he was the sweetest person. (laughs) But if you looked at my signature, I don't even know who signed it because I couldn't get my hand to even connect with the paper. Um, you know, because it's just nerve wracking. It's not a good feeling. No, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, another thing, too, to make it clear as to why there's so much gray areas. Normally, when you go through a lawsuit with somebody, um, you usually have to sign some sort of agreement to not discuss or disclose an NDA. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. So you can't disclose certain things about your case. Um, I will say we are just fine. Let me put it that way. Um, we are very happy. We're very content in our lives. And exactly, like I said, I mean, my kneecaps would probably shake, but once you get sued one time, the rest is like riding a bike. You're like, I'm just kidding. I knock on wood, please. Not bringing that nobody trying to serve me nothing. But just hypothetically speaking, you know, the first time's the worst. I think. But like. Uh, okay yeah so on that note right I mean it's cool right I have five things about me I can always stand up and say I got sued so yeah on that note don't sign in on compete (laughs) (laughs) and as always you can find us on Instagram at the beauty beast podcast yes or you can email us at the beauty beast podcast at gmail.com and until next time baby until